Welcome back to Mothers in Construction Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce my guest today. Today's guest is Christine Murden. She is the CEO and president of Murden Strategies, LLC, a woman-owned small business providing management consulting to federal contractors for strategy, growth, organizational leadership, and optimization of team performance. And she is also pursuing her PhD in civil engineering at the University of Maryland. Christine shares um, about a time when she had to make a pivot and a choice in her career and really takes us through a story of building foundations, not only on the job site, but in the home. So sit back, relax and enjoy. I know you'll love this one. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Welcome everyone to Mothers in Construction. I'm your host, Tonya Rivers, and I have a very, very special guest with me today. I am Christine Murden, and I'm a mother in construction. Yes, Christine, thank you so much for being on here. Let me tell the listeners about how I was introduced to you. I actually did the first phase of the restorations on the U.S. Capitol. And that's one of those projects where where it wasn't the largest project that I've ever done, but it was one of the most important projects that I've ever done just because of what it means to our country and just the sense of nature of actually doing that work. And I saw you, you were actually a COO at that time um, of the architect of the Capitol. And then you went on to becoming the acting architect of the Capitol, which I want you to go into a little bit about what that means. And I was just so excited to see you, to see your energy. You brought a different flavor to that organization and we definitely felt it on the level in the field working for the general contractors. Um, They did a Women's History Month article and in it you were talking about being a mom and at that point I'm I'm pregnant. I was pregnant with my last child (laughs) when I finished up that project and I'm talking to my crew like oh my gosh she's a mom like how does she you know get through it and I'm so excited to have you on so if you can just let the listeners know a little bit about how you got started in construction. Thank you. And um, and thank you for doing such a great job on that project. And finally, we got together. appreciate that. I had no intention of being an engineer when I was in high school, but I actually started attending community college and to study landscape architecture. But my professor offered the opportunity to study engineering with a full ride. So I actually worked for the Navy as a co-op intern based in Maryland. And I would work during the summers and I'd go to school at the University of Maryland until I graduated uh, with a civil engineering degree. After working at the Navy base, I ended up working at the White House military office for about eight years. And that included projects at the White House and Camp David. And that was a fabulous opportunity. Got to see a lot of great events. Got to see Nelson Mandela speak, Queen Elizabeth speak. So great opportunity. And then I ended up going to graduate school. And then after graduate school, I ended up working for Clark Construction. You know, I went to the Clark School of Engineering. So Mm -hmm. I was happy to go to Clark Construction where I was a project management and project superintendent. I was only there for a short amount of time, but I learned so much from them on how to deliver a project, how to make a profit. It it just was a great experience. And then after that, I went to work for a woman-owned, minority-owned business called McKissick & McKissick. And I worked there Mm -hmm. for 10 years and then two years later. And fabulous opportunity, great mentor with Daryl McKissick, worked on projects such as the Martin Luther King 
National Memorial, the yes. African American Museum, the Lincoln and the Jefferson Memorial restorations, the O'Hare modernization. It just was a phenomenal opportunity to work with some wonderful people on some high profile projects. And it was a small business. So I rose to be the senior vice president, ultimately the chief operating officer uh, for McKissick and McKissick. So just a wonderful opportunity. And then I ended up applying at the architect of the Capitol for the chief operating officer which is the number two, I actually reported to the 11th architect to the Capitol, Stephen Ayers, who was a presidential appointee. Mm-hmm. And I was responsible for all the day-to-day operations of the architect of the Capitol. We had about 2,500 uh, wonderfully talented employees. We did the nation's work on the restoration of the buildings, the planning and implementation of inaugurations, uh, the Christmas tree lightings, the joint sessions in Congress, just a great way to witness history being made every day. Yes. Um, and then my boss retired and I was able to be the acting architect of the Capitol for about a year. And that was a great honor too. In that position, you have many responsibilities you know, you're a member of the Capitol Police Board, you're a member of the D.C. Zoning Board, Historic Preservation, White House Historic Preservation Council, Advisory Council. So just many, many opportunities. And then I chose to go back to McKissick and McKissick, but I stayed there through COVID for about two years and working with Daryl across the country, even though most of the country was shut down, you know, but mm-hmm. traveling to Texas and other parts of the country, but we actually got a lot of work. And then I decided to go on and pursue one of my long-term dreams, actually two long-term dreams, but they come together nicely. One is actually to get my PhD in civil engineering and project management, and then also to start my own consulting company. And both opportunities kind of popped up at the same time last summer. And I'm working on my PhD right now, attending class. You know, I just took one of my first midterms. And then I do have my consulting business and I do have a a wonderful client that I'm working for. And I'm very happy right now. In addition, and we'll talk about that a little bit, my daughter, Nadia, is also attending college. Uh, So we're paying for two tuitions right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And she goes to school at Baylor University in Waco, Texas, and I return back to the University of Maryland to pursue my PhD. I I always consider the University of Maryland my happy place, Uh, but it it just offers so many opportunities, and they've been so good to me over the years. So that is kind of where I am now. And if you asked me five years ago what I would have been doing, it would not have been this. Because I am just so happy to be in class. You know, I'm class with mostly Gen Zs. Yes, I'm the oldest person in the room. But they are just wonderful, authentic, and so bright and intelligent. So I'm just learning so much from them, too. So you never know where your life leads. But, you know, I'm saying a lot of yes to a lot of things. That's great. And, and you know, what? just to speak on that a little bit, you always hear the disparity between the older generation and Gen Z. And, you know, for you to say that they're so smart and just appreciate their different styles. And that's one thing that we have to think about with construction is that we all have to learn to work together. So we really can't pigeonhole or use stereotypes to, you know, speak about one generation. Yes, we have differences because of the way that we, we were raised. However, you have to appreciate what everyone brings to the table because we're all valuable. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, hopefully they appreciate my wisdom, um, but I appreciate their vulnerability, their authenticity, and their patience with me 
too. Yes, yes. All right. So let's get into the meat. Um, one of the things that excited me about you after reading that article was just you speaking about your mom and what she meant to you. And then you working your way up, as you just described to the listeners, you know, as a project manager, you worked on the private sector, then you went to the public sector. And through all of this experience, you you created like this bowl of a person, you know, who really pushed an initiative for communication for everyone to work together. And I think that um, from what I've known from you from afar, you know, before we had the wonderful opportunity to meet, that that really spoke to your personality and what you provide to the industry. And I really thank you for that because I think it's needed. Definitely in this time where we're all dealing with supply chain demands and labor shortages, we've got to find a way to work together. And that's really inspired me for some uh, personal initiatives that I'm working on myself. But I want you to speak about what it was like being a mom in leadership, because we always see these women that are just at the top. And I'm telling you, until I read that article, I had no idea you were a mom. I always admired you. But that really took it to the next level when I saw that, because I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, as my daughter's grown in my belly, <laughs> and you know, we're experiencing each other on this absolutely wonderful project. I have to say that again, that is just full of history. To, to have that connection with you, it like I said, it really took it to the next level. So just speak to us about that experience. Sure. You know, sometimes I look back at it and I, I think, how did I do it? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. You know, because, uh, you know, when I started working at the architect of the Capitol, she was seven years old. She kind of grew up there and that place had so much impact on her. She's actually, her major is actually political science. Wow. So I'll tell you a little story about kind of how I got there. So I was working for McKissick and I love working for Daryl McKissick and I helped Daryl build the business in Chicago. And mm -hmm. while I was building the business to Chicago, my daughter was very young. She was, you know, an infant and a toddler. So I would fly to Chicago, take the first plane in the morning and I would come back in the evening and I would be home to feed her and put her to bed. And, you know, that was working pretty well. So my husband was kind of handling the, the early morning stuff. And then she'd go to daycare and I'd come home. And she wouldn't miss seeing me. Mm -hmm. But we started building the business in California. And when we went to California, I had to go for a week. So I'll tell you a story, but it all comes together. So I had a trip to California, but right before then, I changed the dogs, two dogs, food. And mm -hmm. if anybody has a dog, they know what happens when you do that. So when I came back from the trip, you know, I was going through her journal, her second grade journal and stuff. And then she started writing and wrote, Dad's really mad. <laughs> she goes, the wow. dogs were you know, making a mess all over the house and they had to clean it up. And I was like, okay, there's some level of frustration going on here. And right. then I went and I saw that she drew this picture. The picture was of a plane and in the plane there was a window and there was a woman sitting in the window. And then there was a heart on the plane. And then there was a little girl holding a lasso around the plane. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so she never told me that it bothered her. So I knew I had to make a change where I had to stop flying. And to do that, I had to get a job that kind of kept me in this area. I was very, very, very lucky to be selected for the chief operating officer for the architect of the Capitol. But I was even luckier that I didn't have to travel hardly at all. The hours were long. You know, I go in in the middle of the night, but I live pretty close. That wouldn't impact too much. You know, I'd mm -hmm. have to get up early. 
But during the summertime, she was able to go to summer camp there. She ended up being an intern and a, a summer page. So she was able to enjoy the experience. You know, she attended Obama's inauguration, got to sit in the stands. So she saw many, many events, you know, which we were able to enjoy together. I wasn't mm-hmm. traveling I was able to be here for her. You know, I ended up coaching with another mom, Odyssey of the Mind. Uh, but I was able to do things on the you know regular day to day instead of being an absent mom. Right. So that, that picture was, you know, a game changer for me. And sometimes you do have to adjust as a mom, you know, to make sure you do what's best for your family. But luckily, I was able to go into that position, which ended up working out really, really well for the family and for opportunities for her too, as well as me. And, you know, it was such a wonderful place to work and just such a beautiful place. And like you said, the, you know, the walls and the stone tell a story. Yes. And uh, I greatly appreciate my time there working with the AOC staff and the police and the other staff. It's just a wonderful time. So when you just told that story, the tears, um, it took me to another place, you know, Like I said, I just, I always connected with you without being close to you. I just have mm-hmm. to say that. And like, I'm literally in tears right now because I literally just had to make that same decision in my life. Gosh, it's not easy being a mom in this field, you know? And when you love what you do, it's hard to tear away from either side. You love your family, but we love what we do, you yes, know? Yes, we do. We do. How- how wonderful was it for you to work for such a wonderful company, you know, being with McKissick and then build, you know, have the opportunity to build in different regions, you know, and to, to help open those offices and to and to be a player, you know, a large player in that business. But to not even know that your daughter felt that way, you know, and yes, she was proud of you, but it still was something that she was experiencing. And you always think about your family that you leave behind. So I recently resigned from a position with the Army Corps of Engineers and I loved working there. Uh You know, their mission definitely identified with my family life because what we were doing was making sure that our soldiers had adequate facilities. So that's something that, you know, it hits home because my husband is still active duty military. And every time I left, it was that same thing. You know, of course, the world would just rock as soon as I got on a plane. Somebody would get sick or something happened, you know, got to go to the school. (laughs) It's it's like as soon as you hand over your ticket, (laughs) never fails all the time. And I traveled a lot with them. My region was the Midwest, so I was always pretty much on a roll. And it was it was taxing. Number one, it's taxing because you can't even take care of yourself because you're always on a roll, right? So you're missing yes. appointments. Um, And then your children are missing you. And every time I left, mommy, why do you have to go? And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah. you know, <laughs> it, it, it's a lot. And for her to draw that picture, and I, it, it's, it's amazing that, you know, children communicate in different ways. Yes. You know, and for you to be attuned enough to actually look at her journal and meant, meant that you care. You didn't just keep pushing her to the side. Like you looked at it and you saw that and you read that and you saw that picture. Mm-hmm. And it meant more to you than, oh, she just drew a picture. She was upset that day. You understood that there was a need. And sometimes we have to make those hard decisions. I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision for you, but you realize that, hey, I have to make a change. And like I said, I just I just definitely just made this decision last month or actually a few months ago because I knew that I was um had to walk away because at the end of the day that's why I started my own business you know because I realized uh-huh. that, that flexibility was important for my family for my children that even though they were proud of me at the moment 
I needed to put them first, you know, and there's nothing wrong with people who choose different avenues, but you have to know and be in tune to what your family and what your children need. And I just commend you for for doing that. I know it wasn't easy. And thank you for sharing that because there's so many people right now that are faced with that and wondering what they should do. Yes, yeah, especially after the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of women that dropped out of um, their industry or their business or construction because, you know, they saw the needs of their family and they had to take care of the needs of their family and then figuring out what to do next, you know, because should I go back? Should I do this? Should I go back? And that really tears at you because you really love what you do. Yes. And you, but you, you know, you have a great love of your family too. And so, you know, figuring out how to navigate that and giving yourself space and time to figure that out. I think construction industry, because I still talk to friends in other places, you know, they are trying to be more flexible. 20 years ago, you couldn't work from home. You had to physically be on the site all the time, but now you can do some things from home or virtually, which adds some flexibility. And then, you know, there's flexible work hours uh, that people are having now. So, you know, making that decision and making that choice, you know, everybody has to, but it's tough because I did love my job. I did love working for Daryl. I I felt so bad telling her I was going to leave. I actually had somebody else tell her. Oh, wow. (laughs) But anyway, things worked out fine for my family. And I went back to work for Daryl after I left the architects of the Capitol and um, things ended up working out. Uh, But you do have to make some hard choices sometimes. I think there's beauty in what you just said. You know, you did what you had to do for your family and you went back. The relationship wasn't severed. Mm -hmm. You were still able to do great work with the company. So it was a win-win in all situations. And definitely Mm -hmm. those years with your children, you cannot get back. Correct. And, you know. And then that was kind of the decision for me. It's like, you know, I can get another job, but this time in her life, I need to be there. You know, she's actually adopted. You know, it wasn't an easy ride for me to become a mom. It was very difficult. Uh, came a mom became a mom a little later in life, and uh, making sure that I was there. I think she turned out pretty well. She's doing great, and you know, seems to be happy. So, yes. and we're, and we're oh. very proud of her. Oh, that's wonderful! Wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that and your transparency with it all. Can you speak about whether or not, uh, or how? Because I know it, it had to. How being a mom molded your leadership style. You know, that's a really good question because um, sometimes when you become a leader, you you think you got to, you know, be kind of hard pressed and let's get it done, let's get done. And it's not like that at all. I'm uh, practice servant leadership. So I really try to approach uh, leadership with a lot of empathy, a lot of consideration that, you know, people have somewhere to that rely on them. You know, they either have a, a spouse, significant other, or family, and making sure you do what you can to take care of them in the workplace and give them what they need. If they're faced with challenges or, you know, terrible situations, how can you support them? And, you know, right. working hard to support them is really important. And then also making sure that you're providing opportunities for everybody and as much flexibility. You know, we had a lot of programs at the Architect in the Capitol where even if you were or, um, a, you know, a laborer or a custodian, you had an opportunity to move up. And, you know, because a lot of places don't give you that opportunity to move up, but creating paths for people to move up. Right. And I think that's critical. But leading with empathy and understanding that 
people have things that are going on in their life and giving them great opportunities. One of the wonderful things about working at the architect of capital, a lot of times I would come in at night and I talk to the staff crew working at night, you know, they're working really hard to support their family. And they would tell me wonderful stories about, you know, their son got into trade school or the child got into college or graduated college. Those were one. And, and it was because their parents were working so hard that they were able to provide that opportunity to their kids. And, you know, recognizing that and making sure that it created a safe place and a great place to work uh, for them to come to work so that they could do that for their family, I think was really critical. Right, right. And I, I echo that. I, I think that psychology is everything in construction. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be technical, but if you don't know how to have empathy, then you can't be an effective leader. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when I, my PhD and my consulting business both focus on soft skills. Mm-hmm. You know, technology has really changed how we do business. You know, we can send over the RFIs, you know, and address it electronically. I think all of us are getting up to speed on doing those type of things proficiently. But what is missing is the soft skills that communications, self-awareness, you know, emotional intelligence. Your listeners and Tanya, I know you know this. When projects run behind, it's not because this piece of steel wasn't delivered. It's because of communication errors. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And the problems, the bigger problems can be around bad leadership. You know, you got to be able to motivate your team and bring your team along and have those crucial conversations with your team. You know, and those soft skills, what really need to be kind of honed at all different levels from on the job site, the project superintendent to the project manager, project executive, you know, and to the subs too. Being able to say, I messed up. Yes. (laughs) That's critical. critical. Yes. And you and I talked about this. It's so crazy because I'm pushing the same message (laughs) with with my business. And, and, you know, one of the things that I learned working as the customer, as the owner, and then working on the uh, private sector was small things like understanding who your owner is and what's the mission. It, it just go it leaps and bounds because most of the time, a lot of the contractors don't really, they know that they're building a project. They really don't understand, number one, the impact, and they don't understand who they're serving. Exactly. So, you know, in some of the sessions that we had in some of my projects, you know, working with the core was, hey, when you turn over this building late, there's a soldier that can't PCS on time. And exactly. what does that impact? That impacts his family. Right. You know, if, if he's deployed and his, his, his wife or his spouse or, or their spouse, I should say, he or she, their spouse is at home. You don't understand that that's impacting their children, that they're, there are kids at home who don't recognize their parents because they've been away for so long. And you're, you're uh-huh. impacting that. Even if it's a $500,000 project or if it's a $250 million project, you are impacting someone's life when you don't turn that project over on time. And I'll tell you, having that small conversation because it's not had enough really changed the thought process in some of the projects. So again, that's something I'm pushing as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree that, you know, understanding the mission, whether it's at a hospital, whether it's at a base, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's at a school, you know, uh, we did a lot of school projects and making sure that those schools were open on time. Yeah. That was critical, not just for the education, but sometimes in different cities, that was the first meal that a lot of kids got yes. received at the day. And, you know, so it, it, you know, such a criticality on them. And I think once people understand the mission, 
they work a little harder. They work a lot smarter. They solve problems a lot faster. And you you see that come out. So, and I think with mothers in construction, I think we have a better insight of that. Yes. (laughs) You know, uh, you know, that, that we all have to work together as a team. You got to be able to kind of coach your kid to get out the door in the morning, right? Yes. yes. Coach them to do homework. Yes. <laughs> Tell them yes. the reason why they want to do homework, you know, having an understanding of that. Hey, that's right. We definitely bring it to the table. And like I say, that's going to be our new mantra. We belong here because we do. We yes. bring all of these qualities to the table. Absolutely. So you've had so many different accomplishments. You've worn so many different hats. You mean so much to so many different people. And then you also share with us that you're still building Christine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're being led to do more, to grow more and to explore the depths of yourself. So I want you to detail your current path as a student working towards your PhD and then starting your own consulting business. So, as I mentioned, I went to the University of Maryland before, and what was interesting, I was asked to teach a class this past summer at GW, and I had applied to Virginia Tech, and I don't know if they didn't continue the program, but they didn't accept me, and I was Mm. looking forward to walking to school, and when I taught the class, the professor says, you know, I read your resume, why don't you just apply to the University of Maryland? I was like, you are stating the obvious. (laughs) So I I reached out and I had been uh, engaged with the University of Maryland since I left. I was on the board of advisors for civil engineering. I was a chair for a few years. Mm. And, you know, I just I just really love the school. So I reached out to my advisor and talked about it. And within two weeks, I was accepted. Wow. (laughs) Great. So I'm taking a couple of classes. One is a leadership class. One is a communication class. And I have the ability to take any class on campus that kind of fits into what I'm doing. So there may be some psychology classes. There's going to be some social justice classes that I'm taking because that's going to kind of wrap into my PhD. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my PhD is going to talk a lot about soft skills, soft skills in the built environment, you know, Mm -hmm. persuasion, you know, how we can leverage persuasion, you know, to kind of make things a little bit better for community communities and, you know, for just the overall city. So that's one piece of it. Now on the consulting end, it was a, it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I had a, a, friend of mine, we worked together at the Capitol, but not for the same organization, reach out to me to see if I could help kind of open doors to different organizations for them. And that's been a great relationship uh, because I'm learning more about them and learning more about what's important and using the persuasion and communication skills that I'm learning. Ultimately, as I am developing the business, I want to do a lot more with, you know, maybe some courses, both at the university and maybe some courses outside of school to talk about how we can all build our soft skills, be stronger, because there's a lot of introspection. I was going through my courses and I feel like I have to take a self-survey almost every day, you know, on happiness, emotional intelligence and things like that to figure out who I am and what I need to work on. So, you know, kind of looking at that because we all are works in progress. Um, Just a side note, you mentioned my mom. My mother is still a consultant and she is 82. And, you know, (laughs) yep, she still works out, you know, every day, driving around and still consulting. Got to keep moving is what her model is. Keep moving. Yeah. Because she's in great health and her mind is, you know, sharp as ever. Yes, keep it moving. I love that. It's wonderful to see the pass down to the generations about you, how your mom inspired you and yeah. then you inspire your daughter. And now your daughter is actually inspiring you, right? Since you're back in, in, oh, in school. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. My daughter is kind of, uh, she's fearless to, to summarize it. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. She plays golf. And so she went to go try out for her high school golf team. And she was the only girl in the room of like 2025. 20, and the golf coach said, what are you doing here? Mm. And so she had to, and he asked her questions about her handicap. So she tried out, she ended up making the team. And then fast forward a few years, she ended up being captain of the team and wow. also the most valuable player. And the next year, if I look out, there are like 25 girls on their golf team now. So she didn't just do it for herself, but she inspired other girls to kind of break barriers. Yes. So she, so she you know, so little things matter. Other people are watching you. And you can make a difference by just little things. Um, so she's at school. You know, she applied to Baylor. It's furthest away from home that she went to. Um, she actually helps me navigate the kind of the, the systems of college. You know, there's something called Canvas that you have to go get your, your homework a lot different than before. So she's helping me that. So when I get on the phone with her, she's talking, I'm writing my paper. I'm studying for my test. And I've got a paper and a test that I got to do too, right? But it motivates me to work harder. And, you know, she gets the good grades and she gives me hints on how she's studying. So that's been, that's been kind of nice that uh, we're able to kind of to commiserate together sometimes on yes. what professors are expecting of it. She is just, uh, you know, she's fearless is what I'll say. And I, I greatly appreciate that about her. Mm, that's an amazing story. I, I really love it. And I was just thinking about something in my head when you were speaking is that the realization that mothers in construction, another piece that we bring to the table, you know, you're, we are literally putting in foundations outside in the field and building foundations within our home. Yes. And, you know, it, it takes like between 18 and 21 years for you to finish your best project. Yes. And exactly. now you're exactly. right. And, and you're able to tell yourself now, job well done. Like, look at how you have inspired your daughter and you've molded mm -hmm. her. And the same thing that your mom did for you, mm -hmm. you know, she's able to stand up and make a difference and, and influence and inspire other young women. And just her being around you and experiencing different things has molded who, you know, who she is and, and what she wants to do in her life. And man, at the end of the day of the choices that we have to make, when you remember what's important, it comes full circle. She's our best project. Yes, she, she, she's your best project. And, and we don't get a chance for it to be a two or three year. And I know there's some 10 year projects out there, but it's literally like a 18 to 21 year project that we're starting from scratch and we're building it all the way up. And it's not until that time that you really realize job well done. So we wait that long to experience it. Right. And then for you to realize that, you know, what your mom did for you and for what you did to her, and now she's going to pass that on to her children. That's what's important. So I don't know if it was 20 years ago, maybe, or when you had to make that choice to, to switch careers, the importance of what you did. And for you to be able to realize this and for it to motivate you now, because now mm -hmm. your best project is motivating you. That's what yeah, it's about. Exactly. That's, that's being a mother in construction, you know? So I, I commend you. I thank you. You are definitely, and now that I know, you know, your vision and your mission, an inspiration to me, an inspiration to so many others. And I thank you for all that you've provided to the industry and what you continue, you're going to continue to provide because what you're learning now and what you're doing now is 
still creating a social impact, which is always the missing piece, I think, uh, in the industry is something that we need to focus on a lot more. Yes, absolutely. We'll build better that way. I 100% agree with you. There's wonderful opportunities out there. You know, as we discussed, we're in an industry where we literally move mountains and, you know, motivating others, motivating our daughters and sons to, to do this and then be fearless, I think is really important. And thank you for your podcast. I think this is a huge part of it too. Thank you so much. So is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Any other advice you have to Mothers in Construction? Um, well, I'll say one thing that I learned, lighten up on yourself. For me, uh, you know, everything had to be perfect for a long time. And then once I decided to lighten up on myself that, you know, my house could be messy, I can not have, you know, the perfect outfit on, you know, you know, could be something that was on the floor the night before that I needed to hurry up and get on. But lighten up on yourself. Things don't have to be perfect. It'll be fine. Enjoy the moment. And um, don't stress about the small stuff. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the time with your kids and enjoy what you do, too. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you. And I know someone's going to be blessed by this. Uh, Well, thank you so much for reaching out. And uh, I'm glad we were able to connect again. Thank you to my guests for joining us. And thank you for tuning in to MIC. Please be sure to check us out every Thursday. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're using so that you don't miss an episode when we drop. Remember, being a mom in this industry is about making sacrifices, but you do not have to sacrifice your dreams. If someone else has done it, you can as well. Do what you got to do and make it happen.